And uh, would you grab your Bibles once more and open them up to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 9 through to 20, or 21 rather. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, and this is the word of the Lord. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honour giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have a regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not, over, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, as we study this passage together this morning, we pray that you might help us see what it is to truly live as your people. We have almost a full year ahead of us. Help us to face the challenge of this new year with your words guiding us, equipping us and shaping us. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So I know that we did tick over the New Year mark nine days ago now, and some of you might consider a sermon for the New Year a little bit late, picking up nine days later, but I'm doing it anyway. I love that I get to just do it. That's fun. But you see, we've made it to the end of another year. As we look over 2021, it was another big year. There was uncertainty, there were changes, there was all sorts of things that happened in the year that was. And if we look towards the year ahead, there's all sorts of questions about whether this will be a smooth year or not. And we've already heard that schools might be delayed going back, so maybe not a smooth year. As we think about the new year, though, as we think about what this year has in store for us, maybe you've started coming up with new year resolutions. Maybe you're convincing yourself that no matter what happens, you're going to keep that New Year's resolution. Have you looked up stats on New Year's resolutions? I did. The statistics of anyone keeping a New Year's resolution is anywhere between 8 and 43%. Not even a pass mark on people being able to do it. Well, it's 43.9 to be precise, so 44%. That's a little bit better. 
Uh, add that to the fact that, that one study reckons that 64% of people drop their New Year's resolution entirely after the end of January, one month. In the face of those statistics, I'm very proud to tell you that I've never failed a New Year's resolution. But it's probably because I've never set myself a New Year's resolution. Now today, as we look at what the New Year should look like for Christians, it, I want to be up front, it's not going to be groundbreaking. In Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 20, Paul covers what it is to live as a Christian. There's nothing new here, but this is important what we read here. Paul takes back to what really matters. Brings us back to fundamentals. As we look at this, as we look at this, as we look at what matters, we see God. We see God being brought into view. We see God brought into view here. And God demonstrated to God's characteristics reflected to others through how we live ourselves. Now, a lot of New Year's resolutions, as much as I like to have fun about people keeping New Year's resolutions or not, they're often very beneficial things to set particularly when they're clear, direct and objective goals rather than just vague, uh, subjective things of, I'll, I'll do a little bit better in this area. What does that mean, a little bit better? We need to be clear and objective when we set these goals. But as Christians, our lives are not to be measured by what often would dominate the New Year's resolution plans of, of weight loss plans or exercise goals. As Christians, we set out into the New Year looking to Christ considering the work that God has already done in our lives and how we can continue in that work of God, how we can continue well in God heading into the new year. We want to look at how we can live fully as Christians, enjoying life as Christians heading into 2022. Our three points this morning, as I said in the kids' talk, are going to be cling to goodness. Secondly, is to be peaceful. And thirdly, to overcome evil. As we look at the first point of clinging to what is good, cling to goodness, uh, this might take your minds back to those New Year's resolutions of eating healthy, which they're definitely good things to have in place. But as we look to clinging to goodness, this passage doesn't talk about healthy eating. This passage talks about a greater goodness than that. Now, before we really dive into Romans chapter 12 from verse 9 to 20, we need to look at what's surrounding it, what's led us to this point in the book of Romans. And we won't look at the whole book. But in Romans chapter 12, Paul has, has moved away from his comments, which have been coming through towards uh, through chapter 11 particularly, where he warns the Christians in Rome about false teaching and proving proving what good scriptural teachings they should have in their lives are. When we get into chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul calls his brothers and sisters in Christ to present themselves as living sacrifices to God. And what Paul's saying there is that in light of everything that God has done for us, in light of everything that Christ did for you, going so far as to die on the cross for your sins... Dedicate your lives to God in the fullness. Every day, minute, 
hour, second, no matter what measure of time you want to break it down into, whether big or small, give your life to God. Devote yourself more and more to God. Paul's referring here to the ongoing work of sanctification which God is doing to increasingly make us holy. Paul tells the Romans to commit themselves to God to ensure that they are removed as far as possible from sinfulness. Sanctification is that ongoing work that God does. And then Paul moves on in verses 3 to 8 to say to the Romans that he realises that everyone's different from everyone else. We've all been given different gifts from God, but no matter what the giftings that God's given us are, gifts, abilities, all these things, we should use them as part of our lifelong service to God in a way that's not grudging of, God's given me the ability to do this, so I just feel like I have to do it. Okay, God's given me the ability to do this. I want to use this to serve God. A joyful service, a cheerful service is brought into view. And these are the stepping stones that Paul uses to launch into the passage that we're looking at today. As with this aspect of giving ourselves fully to God, that Paul says right from the beginning in verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. To abhor something is to regard it with hate or distrust, to to not have any fondness whatsoever for those things that do not please God. Paul sets up a contrast there. Let love be without hypocrisy and abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. The contrast coming through here between sinfulness and holiness. He begins to set this up for us here. And Paul reminds us of this again. And I say again because this is not the first time that Paul has reminded people of this struggle. This struggle that we have between living sinfully and living holy lives. Go back to Romans chapter 7, verses 14 to 25. Paul there talks about his own struggle against sin. This is because we are all born under the curse of original sin, which we inherited from our first father, Adam. At the same time as we struggle with our sinful nature because we're humans born in the world, Paul's writing to Christians who have been saved from sin. He is writing to Christians who believe in Jesus and trust him alone as our Lord and Saviour. Where Christ, who Paul tells us the second Adam, has atoned for our sin. We should be trying to do those things that are pleasing to God. We should be trying and asking God to help us because we cannot try hard enough to do it. We need God's help. We should be asking God to help us live lives that show we really are living sacrifices to God. Verses 9 through to 13 continues in a series of contrasts. It's a series of contrasting statements. 
This is what is good and right and pleasing. This is what is not good. This is what is displeasing to God. We continue with that all the way through verses 9 to 13. When we look at that, when we look at that, as we look at challenges we've faced, as we look at challenges ahead, perhaps your mind focuses more on the fact that it's a struggle, that there's this tension being set up between good and evil, right and wrong. And if we focus too much on that, Perhaps in our minds we begin to think being a Christian maybe isn't all that it's chalked up to be. It just looks hard. Go back to verse 9. Right at the very start there, let love be genuine. And then the last bit of verse 9, hold fast to goodness, cling to what is good. Paul's writing to people who probably had similar people as the scoffers that Peter spoke about in chapter 3. People who would tell them, just like people tell us, that being a Christian just isn't worth it. Think of the sacrifices you have to make. Think of the fact you have to give up everything for God. Is it really worth it? But as we look at these things of love being genuine and clinging to what is goodness, those give us a confidence of God. A confidence in the work that God does, a confidence in the work that God calls us to do. To be a Christian, to follow Christ, to live for God fully. And this should be our goal for this year and every single year to follow, if it hasn't already been, is to let our love be genuine. And if our love is genuine... And that love is not just something that we show when we turn up to church on Sundays or Bible studies or prayer meetings during the week. If our love is genuine, it is not only shown once or twice a week or maybe if you happen to bump into someone at the shopping centre to make it maybe three or four times. Love being genuine is a constant. If we only show love we only show the markers of love when we see other Christians are we really demonstrating brotherly and sisterly affection for one another we have to ask ourselves the question is that really genuine and the answer is no it cannot be genuine if that's the case Paul writes about outdoing one another in honour and loving others ourselves. I'm a competitive person. I found that out a few times playing games over Christmas. I'm still more competitive than I probably should be. You know, I like this when Paul says we should outdo one another in love and these things because there is a time and a place for healthy competition. 
It's constant. Keep seeing how much we can love one another. And if that's a challenge that we have for ourselves as a church this year, imagine the witness that that will be. To see people outdoing one another in showing love. To see people outdoing one another in pointing people back to the words of the gospel. Pointing people back to scripture which changes our lives for the better. Sitting down and praying with people. Meeting up with one another. Going out of our way even when we're busy. They either send a call or text message or catch up for a coffee at someone's house or wherever it is. Don't limit it. As we cling to goodness, we are to almost competitively cling to goodness. Pursue it with diligence. Focus on it. Outdo one another. We always need to beat each other by showing love. It's an interesting way of thinking about things. But this is one of our goals as we cling to goodness. Now, if we think, if, we, if right now you're happy and you're content with where you are as a Christian, do you think you know enough or already do enough or you're ticking the right boxes? And this, almost this New Year's resolution we see here of how to behave like a Christian won't succeed. As Christians, we are progressing or we are regressing. The moment we think we can just hold a stable, steady platform of where we are, we're actually going backwards. We need to continually be sanctified by the Holy Spirit that we might grow in these things. We might do these things more and more and more. So we serve God. We serve God. Cling to what is good. No one is good but God alone. Do we see what Paul is saying here when he says cling to goodness? We had to cling to God. Not to our jobs, not to our house, not to our family, but most of all, we are to cling to God. As we head into 2022, our first goal, both individually and together as a church, should be to cling to goodness, cling to God and keep holding on to God. Because he will accomplish more through us than we could ever do on our own this year. Holding fast to God will show itself to others around us in our our actions. And as we see in verse 13, even things just like showing hospitality and having someone over. And this all keeps flowing through to verses 14 and 18, our second point of being peaceful. And as we look at being peaceful, we might think this is a no-brainer. People think, what's it mean to be a Christian? Well, you're kind, you're meant to be a nice person, you're meant to just be be a a peaceful person, right? We all love our neighbours as ourselves, don't we? We do that pretty well, all right? 
a few weeks ago, a few months ago rather, our neighbour was struggling to remember what time the bins were collected and for three weeks in a row brought our rubbish bin in when it was full. I was struggling to love my neighbour for those three weeks. We know that this is how we're told to act. We know that we're meant to be peaceful. But despite that, we sometimes forget this almost most well-known commandment besides love the Lord your God with all your heart. We, we forget this sometimes. We have a dig at the people around us. And we sometimes cause trouble where we should just be living peaceably with the people around us. I think sometimes we do this because we are so sure in our knowledge. We know the truth so well that if people don't have the truth or they disagree with it on Scripture, it's just so easy to criticise and demean and belittle and just treat people with contempt who disagree with us or don't have the faith that we have. It's simple, but I think we realise we do struggle to, to genuinely live peacefully with people. I think it's easy for us to do when things are going well. Maybe right now you're feeling quite content. Maybe work's shut down for a week or two over Christmas, New Year. You've had time off. Kids, you're home from school. Yes, holidays, no schoolwork, no homework, no assignments. Parents, you might not be quite so content about that. Maybe things are going well right now. Maybe when things are going well, it's a lot easier to do. But things won't always be going well. Things won't always be on the up. As we consider Christians not living in Australia, Christians around the world who are persecuted, there are over 160 countries in the world where Christians are openly persecuted. Christians in Egypt can no longer meet when eight years ago they could meet. What happens if that happens in Australia? How will you cope when people give you in the workplace give you a hard time for believing in Christ? How will we cope when our neighbours continue to belittle us and demean us? See, this call to be peaceful isn't just a lovey-dovey thing that Paul says. This is a very deeply challenging thing. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. That does not say, bless those who give you a hard time within the boundaries of what you think are okay, but as soon as they step over the line, you stop blessing them at that point right there because they've done the wrong thing. Bless those who persecute you. That is what Paul, inspired by God, writes. And that is hard. If we search our hearts, if I search my heart, I know that I cannot do that on my own. This drives me back to a dependence on God and his spirit to shape me. And work in me to show grace and even bless people who would go so far as to persecute me. Because I know my natural reaction is not to bless them. 
And while that may be really, really hard, both through persecution and general circumstances, it opens up opportunities to do exactly what Paul says in verse 15. Yes, to rejoice with those who rejoice. When people are going through times of of triumph and success right now, rejoice with them. Be there with them. Don't become upset because it's not your success. Be there with them. Rejoice with them. And when people are hurting, when people are hurt, when people are weeping, weep with them. We can't do this if we only show up for each other once a week. We have to be part of each other's lives. Whatever the people in God's church, God's kingdom around us are going through, we need to be there with them. This year and every year. And kids, as we look at what it is to be on God's team, we all have a part to play in this. To be peaceful, to be kind, to be polite, even to your brothers and sisters when they take your Lego or your favourite toy and don't give it back. Even when they tease you. Because this is how Jesus tells us, this is how God tells his team how to act. It can be really, really hard. But we've got to try. And we should ask for help because it will get hard and we will need help. Now there is something of a caveat in here. Verse 18. If it is possible... As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. What that means is that things won't always be smooth. That we can be kind, we can be polite, we can be loving to the people around us to the best of our ability, but some people will just not like it and they will treat you badly. It doesn't give you an opportunity to respond in kind to how they treat us, But we do our part. We do everything we can to live peaceably. We all need to be asking ourselves this morning if we truly live in harmony with our neighbours, with the people around us. As we live in harmony with the people around us, we live peaceably to the best of our ability with the people around us. We do this so that they might not see that we're kind, lovely, good people, that they might see God through how we act that we might share the word of God with them. The ramifications of being peaceable is not just a kind, warm, fuzzy thing. These are deep spiritual things here. It's not being quarrelsome. It's not being argumentative. It's associating even with the lowly. It's humility in doing this, both in not having an overrated opinion of ourselves, not being wise in our own minds and not repaying evil with evil. Paul, again, he knows that there will be people who simply don't like us. It might be because we're Christians. 
It might be because some personalities just are like oil and water, just don't mix. But as far as it depends on us, go into the new year with a mindset that is peaceable. And this is made even more clear for us when we consider the work that God did to bring about peace between us and him. Where once there was enmity, we are now part of his family. And thirdly, we are to overcome evil. Now, we just talked about how it can be really hard as a Christian to live in the ways that Paul is telling us to live right here. But we see also the reward of living for God. It is rewarding beyond anything that we could ever comprehend. We see in verse 19 that reminder that's given in Deuteronomy that reminder that's given a lot of times because we struggle with it, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We are not to avenge ourselves, but we are to trust that God's justice will be delivered. Now, if you're like me, you will struggle with this at times. Because sometimes we just want to get back at people who do the wrong thing to us. If someone does something to us, we plan in our minds how we're going to do X, Y, and Z to get back at them. And if we're really steamed, the whole alphabet gets included in those letters. In this mindset, it's about us. It's about me. It's about what I want. It might be because we've been hurt whether physically or maybe our pride's been wounded. It might be about just that pain. It might be about our frustration. It might just be about our need to level the score because as Australians, we don't let those things go. We pursue vengeance to satisfy ourselves. There is no other reason for it. I mean, on the surface, we can give lots of other reasons why we would pursue getting back at someone. If we take it all down to its core, it becomes about satisfying our idea of justice and our idea of fairness. And this, when we make it about us and not God and his glory, is not living in harmony. we, We can claim ignorance and pretend that it is harmonious to try and always get back at people but how can we possibly live in harmony and live at peace so far as it depends on us with the people around us if we continually set ourselves on pursuits to repay wrong with wrong we can't So how do we deal with this? How do we bring ourselves to a point where we can actually be okay with this? Because it sounds like people just get away with no consequences. 
I think if we turn our minds to the amazing forgiveness that God has shown to us, we really go a long way in addressing this. God the Father sent Jesus Christ the Son, the second person of the Trinity, to die on our behalf. We did the wrong thing by God, yet God was the one to restore the relationship. We follow in the footsteps of Christ, our captain, our Lord. When our enemies are hungry, we feed them. If our enemies are thirsty, we give them a drink. For in doing this, we will be like we're putting burning coals on their heads. And the burning coals on their heads is not the incentive. That's not another form of payback that we see. We can satisfy ourselves through that. It's not payback through niceness. We pray that the Spirit might use those acts of kindness that we show even to those who have been unkind to us, who may even in some places have gone so far as to persecute us, that God might use our kindness in the face of that and our true love being demonstrated in the face of that to bring them to salvation. We do not overcome evil with evil. We overcome evil with good. If we were to work through the book of Romans right from the beginning, we would see from Romans chapter 1 verse 18 through to chapter 3 verse 20, that is a lot right there. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 to chapter 3 verse 20, man is depraved. We are spiritually dead as a result of sin in our lives. But then we get to chapter 3, verse 21. And there Paul introduces us to the message of hope offered by Jesus Christ that we might live now and forever free from sin. And this is how we overcome evil. Not by trusting in ourselves to resolve it, but by trusting God to do it for us and us being faithful with the things he sets before us. I do give New Year's resolutions a hard time. But they're not all bad, are they? See, if we set these things before us as our resolution as a church heading into the new year, what wonderful things can come from that. This year, as children of God, redeemed by his mercy and grace, let's... Let's play like we're on his team. Let's cling to goodness. Be peaceful. And by the grace, strength and help of our awesome God, let's overcome evil. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you once more for your word. Lord God, this is a portion of your word which truly does challenge our hearts. It challenges our pride. 
It challenges all the thoughts of being able to do things on our own and it brings us back to complete, humble dependence upon you. We pray that this might be more and more evident in each and every one of us. We pray that we would grow in our love for you. And as we grow in our love for you, may that be evident in how we love one another as a result. We ask that we might be a beautiful sign, instrument and foretaste of heaven this year to those who already know you, as well as those who don't yet know you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.